This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDBE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Prezuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to a special Friday night edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. I'm Mike Prasuda, joined as always by Matt Williamson. We are getting you ready for the Steelers and the Washington football team. Uh, I think the Steelers are on upset alert this weekend. I can tell you this much for certain. I think Matt and I are on upset alert tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, referring to the Washington football team by its former name, because that's a hard habit to break. <laughs> but we are going to try. Uh, we're here till 8 o'clock tonight, getting ready for the Monday afternoon 5 o'clock special. We will be joined, as we almost always are, by Merrill Hodge. And we've also got some Zoom from Washington football team head coach Ron Revere. But, Matt, I mentioned upset alert to me at least. Uh, maybe it's Baltimore hangover, but this one doesn't look right. This one doesn't feel right. This one doesn't smell right from a Steelers perspective. What say you? Hmm, you're a little uh, less optimistic than I am, but I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, a well-rested team that's had a very long week to just sit back and watch Steeler tape and, you know, study this team and be totally focused on this team. They're playing better. Uh, they now have a professional quarterback leading the show. They have some young guys. I'm sure we'll talk about D Lyman, a couple offensive guys that – Look to have really bright futures, but I mean, Mike, their 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 wins are against Dallas twice, Cincy when they knocked out Burrow, and the Eagles in Week One when we thought the Eagles were good. Okay, well, those are the same were. teams the Steelers have beaten. Well, I <laughs> just want to point that out. That's but only four and of the Steelers, them. They don't have eleven. The Steelers were less impressive against Dallas, but I I'll, go ahead, elaborate if you would. You, no, you're, you're right. I can't argue that fact, and the Steelers are certainly coming off a. Miserable performance, in my opinion, but miserable, uh, miserable, awful. Yeah, as bad as let's, I've let's, seen them. Let's play. go there for a second. Okay, that Baltimore team. You know, I have great respect for the Baltimore organization. I have great respect for John Harbaugh, and I have great respect for the Ravens players. But most of the ones I've heard of weren't playing, and you know, the <laughs> offensive line was cobbled together. The defensive line was cobbled together. I, I, I'm i not sure Robert Griffin's a professional quarterback anymore. Uh, right. Trace McSorley's got to improve to become that. Uh, I thought Juju Smith-Schuster hit the nail on the head. He said they brought a JV squad, and the Steelers were hanging on at the end. Yeah, I can't argue that one bit. I mean, I thought it was a very poorly executed game by the Steelers. There were a lot of plays to be made. Um, you were closer to this than me, but it sure seems like Coach Tomlin, as well as the leaders, all recognize that, weren't at all happy with the win, even though it's a win and you're undefeated. Um, but you can't leave plays like that on the field. Is that an isolated incident? Is that a sign of things to come? I lean towards the former, but we shall see. And if they play anything like that against Washington, uh, they'll get blown out. Now, the, the, the worst aspect clearly were all the drop passes. I had it at nine. I'm not sure if you keep that kind of thing or not. Juju Smith-Schuster said six, seven, or eight. He had a hard time keeping track. Like the over on six and, or uh, seven. Yeah, just, uh, you know, for the edification of our uh, listening audience, some of those plays, you know, the ball got in Chase Claypool's hand, and then here comes a defensive back trying to, trying to hammer it out. But Randy Feekner and Mike Tomlin both made it clear this week, if you touch it, you catch it. That's the Steelers' standard. They don't want to hear the guy knocked it out. And if, you know, 
by that standard, they failed miserably. It wasn't just – I think the one that stands out to me is the third down lob on the second to last possession where Ben Roethlisberger dropped it right over Deontay Johnson's shoulder, and all he's got to do is catch it. It's a first down. And they might run the clock out from there. Instead, they got to punt the ball, and then you see that horrendous 70-yard catch-and-run touchdown that the defense hemorrhaged. But uh, here's what worries me about the Steelers first and foremost heading into this game. I'm not worried that the receiver is going to drop the ball like that again because I think those guys are good players. I think they're very good players. Mm-hmm. I think that passing attack is dynamic, and I think that night was an aberration. But they are now playing a team that defends the pass really well and rushes the passer really well, and I think it's going to be challenging, particularly for a Steelers team that still does not seem to have a running game as plan B. No, I think that's well said. It is a very good pass defense led by what I think is the league's second-best pass rush. Um, their secondary is kind of a bunch of no-names, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, the linebackers are okay at best. I mean, we know who Bostic is. But I, I hear what you're well, saying. We know who I mean, Bostic is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think these defenses will probably keep this game close, and it would be nice to have a running game to lean on. Uh, I hear everything you're saying. And I do want to give – I know it was a JV Ravens team – but their back seven was still pretty darn good, and I do think that is noteworthy that Humphrey in particular is great at getting the ball out. It's not an excuse. And, you know, you mentioned the Deontay Johnson um, drop late in the game. I think the one at the beginning of the game that boinked off his knee that would have been a touchdown, almost a walk-in yeah, touchdown, the, you mix that slant, with the yeah. punt muff and you gave this team life. I mean, if you don't muff the punt and he takes that slant in for a score – you might just be dancing all day long. I mean, you, you gave that team life. Yeah, and that started early. Uh, ben Roethlisberger missed Derek Watt wide open after yeah. the fumble on the Ravens. Uh, I think that was their first or second possession. And then they get to pick six, and they miss the extra point. And already it's mistake-prone, and we're halfway through the first quarter. And uh, the drops just kept coming all night. Um, the, the other thing that really concerns me, Matt, is the loss of Bud Dupree. And I really like Alex Highsmith. I think he's been uh, what they thought he would be. Uh, He's reported as advertised. He's done very well as that third outside linebacker. Uh, Now you're going to have to have him starting. He's not going to be Bud Dupree uh, two-thirds of the way through his rookie season. And now you have the trickle down of what happens when uh, T.J. Watt has to come out of the lineup. You know, you could be looking at a third down with uh, Ola Adaini, J. Ron Elliott, and – Marcus Allen on the field <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know we're, we're getting away from dudes Matt and we're starting to collect too many guys yeah I, I hear what you're saying um I'm excited about Highsmith I wasn't when they picked him I watched you know not a ton of his college tape or small school but uh, I, I thought this was going to be a red shirt year for him maybe a special teamer wouldn't even be the third outside linebacker possibly well he's exceeded expectations at this point and you know, Bud Dupree loss aside, which is huge. I'm excited for that young man to see what he can do. But a playoff run isn't the time to do it. You know, I'd like to see it in next preseason. I mean, not now. And to your point, going into the year, my biggest concern with the Steelers on paper was defensive depth at several positions. And a couple guys have stepped up more than I expected, including Highsmith. But it is getting tested, like you said. I mean, you got Ola and Allen and, you know, Bugs and some of these guys out there that, you know, don't have a lot of pedigree, don't have a lot of experience. Um, the, the the vaunted Steeler defense won't be the same. So it's definitely a huge loss. 
Yeah, I hear you. And, uh, you know, looking at this from the Washington perspective, there are more reasons why if I'm the Steelers, I'm a little uneasy going into this weekend. Uh, you mentioned Alex Smith is a professional quarterback, and I think he is that. They're 2-1 and one in his starts. He hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, filled the stat sheet with glowing numbers. But uh, according to uh, Ron Revere, who we're going to hear from a little later tonight, he has brought calm and confidence to the offense. And they have some other young guys, uh, you know, besides the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, who they were playing early in the season. And uh, all of a sudden they have a guy – a veteran presence to rely upon. And uh, the running back slash wide receiver slash whatever he is, Antonio Gibson from Memphis, third-round pick. I remember we had a lot of conversations about this guy, uh, all the draft shows that we did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were debating. He played out of the slot at Memphis last year, but he ran the ball some. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? Well, the Redskins figured out he's both because they line him up at running back, but they throw to him a ton. Man, he's got 11 rushing touchdowns. He's a really good prospect slash, you know, um, do it all running back like you mentioned already. I think he has a very high ceiling for his career, extremely explosive, not just a straight line guy, uh, exceptional with the ball in his hands in space, but also in tight quarters kind of a star in the making and I didn't quite see that coming especially this fast and I know we haven't brought him up yet and I'm sure we will him and Terry McLaurin I think have a chance to be two of the best young players at their respective positions in the next couple years and already are almost yeah I'm I'm buying that McLaurin by the way uh, showed up on uh, Washington's practice participation report today as limited with an ankle don't know what to make of that. And uh, for the Steelers, they actually practiced today. Steven Nelson did not participate for the second straight day. They didn't practice yesterday, but they did a practice report anyway because that's what the NFL does. You know, if no, we would have practiced, this guy would have been right. limited. Virtual, I guess. Uh, but uh, Nelson, uh, maybe a developing oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say maybe a developing story at corner with that knee because, uh, you know, it's another day closer to kickoff and he's not uh, practicing yet. Yeah. This wouldn't be the worst day for, or worst game for him to miss, in my opinion. He's a really good player, but I think no matter who your corners are, you're rolling coverages McLaurin's way. I mean, he has such a massive percentage of their target share, and he's clearly their best receiver. That if you had a replacement for Nelson out there, I assume it would be Sutton. That you would have safety help if he has McLaurin, and otherwise you wouldn't. I mean, because it's just such a drop off after McLaurin from the other receivers. Yeah, it's more throw it to the backs, throw it to the tight ends. You know, kind of dink it around. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with you on that, and, I, and I'm guessing it would be Cam Sutton, and then maybe what we saw um, in the dime earlier with uh, Justin Lane coming in to play the outside and Sutton playing his normal uh, inside position. Yeah. In the dime defense, Sutton's also played a lot of nickel uh, with Mike Hilton's uh, unavailability there for a while, and they've been kind of mixing and matching of late. But uh, an interesting team, not just uh, Gibson uh, at running back, Matt, but uh, they use uh, about three guys, the Redskins do. Uh, they're not a highly ranked rushing team, but they're highly productive. 16 rushing TDs, which is a lot. And uh, J.D. McKissick, number 41, he's going to be in there a lot. He'll be there in there a lot with Antonio Gibson. And then Peyton Barber is kind of the short yardage guy. Uh, all three of those guys have carried the ball over the goal line this year. And I, I think this is a team that's growing in confidence. 
Uh, I think it's trusting in Alex Smith. And I think, uh, you know, somebody in that NFC East is going to wake up and say, hey, we have four wins or three wins or whatever, but we got a shot to go to the playoffs. Yeah. We, need, we need to play well here for a month, and we're in. And uh, maybe it's the Washington football team. Yeah, I, I really do think they have as good a shot as any. Daniel Jones is, is banged up, you know, for the, the Giants. I thought those were the top two teams of late in an awful division. But they're definitely playing better. I mean, despite the teams they've beaten, you're right. You can use that argument against the Steelers. You can use it against the Chiefs, too. Um, I think the point about Alex Smith being a professional, a stabilizing force in the huddle, I don't like his style of game even before his injury. I mean, he's extremely, extremely conservative. But, you know, just look at it last year for the Steelers. Like, the Steelers would have killed for an Alex Smith or a Joe Flacco or oh. an Eli Manning. You know, just get in out of the plays. And, you know, just look at some of the guys they've gone against. I mean, as highly regarded as we all think Joe Burrow is, he's a rookie. Yeah. Uh, look at what look at what Dallas had. I mean, look at what Jacksonville had. I mean, right. Alex Smith, I think Alex Smith, if he wasn't the first overall pick, he'd be a lot more highly regarded. You know, if he, if he got picked at the end of the first round or maybe early in the second round like he should have been, you look at his career, he's 96-67-1 as a starter. He's thrown for over 35,000 yards, 196 touchdowns. This guy knows what he's doing, man. He can play a little bit. He's also – now, I, he's rushed for 2,600 yards, only three this year, and I think the rushing days are behind him. But he yeah. can still uh, handle the ball back there and distribute it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, – the year he came out and was the first overall pick was the year I was with the Browns and we had the third pick of the draft. And uh, so I watched a ton of Alex Smith tape back then. And, you know, that was also to your point, if Aaron Rodgers goes one and Alex Smith goes 23 or wherever Rodgers does, there's a lot yeah. different light of how the, both their careers end up. And yes, he, he does have some, some definitely some good attributes. You mentioned the horizontal passing game. That's, I mean, his average depth of targets remarkably low. I mean, these are two of the teams that get the ball out the quickest, but a lot of his are real dump-offs to the backs. Uh, he does not really drive the ball down the field, and he doesn't run like he used to. But to the point of just knowing where to go with the football, being smart, recognizing blitzes, being a professional veteran quarterback, carries a lot of weight still in this league. Another guy uh, I think people should be aware of is their tight end, Logan Thomas. He's a seventh-year guy out of Virginia Tech. Played some quarterback at Virginia Tech. And, Matt, believe it or not, he's playing some quarterback for the Washington football <laughs> team. He's he's run quarterback sneaks. He's run wildcat. And uh, if people saw the, the Washington football team play against Dallas on Thanksgiving, you saw him throw a pass and complete it. Yeah, and he's got a lot of ability. I mean, he was a big athletic quarterback coming out of college think he was a fourth round pick you know as a quarterback I mean his tight end conversion only happened a couple years ago and he can run um he's not the best blocker in the world but he's in the Ebron mold and you're right I mean he certainly has trick playability we've got a lot more to uh catch you up on uh, before we get out of here tonight uh, Matt and I are going to be here until eight o'clock when we come back from break we're going to be joined by the third member of our preview team Merrill Hodge I want to talk Steelers-Washington uh, football team with Merrill, but Matt, Merrill has been hunting the last couple of days with Bubby nice. Brister, so we, we may have time. to start there. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. it might be uh, even, more even more compelling than Steelers-Washington football team. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 
102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you here uh, on this Friday night edition of Steelers Preview until 8 o'clock tonight here on the flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. It's our pleasure now to welcome, uh, as we always do, Merrill Hodge to the program. And uh, Merrill, I want to I talk about this upcoming uh, Steelers-Washington football team matchup with you. But first things first, we can't bury the lead. Uh, you have been uh, hunting with Bubby Brister. For all I know, you're still hunting with Bubby Brister. Where are you, and how's that going? Well, we are in Louisiana. We're right on, on the – actually, we're on the, the river of the Mississippi, which I've never been here before. So we're just across the river from Jackson, Mississippi. Um, and we're across the bridge, and we're in Louisiana. And it has been incredible. We've had a blast. We've got nothing, but we've had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody ever not had a blast with Bubby Brister? That, that is a true story. That is a true story. There's, there's a guy here who he and Bub have been friends for a long time. I just met him. And um, he's, you know, Bub's being Bub. I don't need to tell anybody how Bub's energy. And he, he goes, he goes, is he always like this? I said, bro, you got the calm version. <laughs> he just <laughs> calmed down. He's a completely different Bub back in the day. <laughs> what are you guys after, Merrill? Well, uh, whitetail. We got they got. I'm just. I, I hunt all over the place. I've never hunted here. I swear to their their whitetail deer are like uh, people who hunt and know whitetail. Uh, they've never seen Saskatchewan deer. Like whitetail are like huge there. They remind me of Saskatchewan deer. They're huge. I thought the first buck I saw that was a horse. <laughs> Holy cow! What is that? <laughs> but no, we've had we've had a blast, man. It's been so much fun. Because it's been a long time since he and I had hunted together and um, spent a few days together, so it's it's been really nice. I got one more hunting question for you. This is a, this Fire is a away. two-parter. Has Bubby ever been hunting with Neil O'Donnell? And if he has, <laughs> did he say, "I can out track you, I can out shoot <laughs> you, and I can out skin you"? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you this: this is not neil donald's environment here this is he neil donald's you're <laughs> all jersey he's all jersey yeah. he's, he, he, if, we, if we showed if we gave him a we, if we put a bow and a gun out there and we go okay pick the bow he'd be like which one is it <laughs> he wouldn't have a clue <laughs> like some jersey he might not know he might know what the gun is man that's true good point there good point there <laughs> put a shotgun out there and a, and a, uh, and a bow like okay you pick the bow uh which one's that <laughs> no oda doing any of this this is not od's world <laughs> merrill speaking of older quarterbacks uh, the washington's kind of found one here in alex smith that's steadying their ship a little bit what's your take on him i mean one thing i, I just wanted to mention with him and i think i've even heard you say this over the years too that there, there's no stat for Passes you should throw that you don't. And I think over his career, he's been a little conservative in that manner, but he does bring a professionalism to the position that they've needed. Well, I would say this. Um, one of his big problems when he first came in the league and actually what took him actually to Kansas City was, you know, and every team does this because this is not new. Um, and this is really what the difference in, in teams and quarterbacks, quite honestly. You you kind of set things up to create a big play opportunity, right? And he would always miss it. I mean, he 
just failed to execute the ones where they had set it up, they got it, and he missed it. And that's ultimately kind of what drove him out. Now, he did a better job of that in Kansas City. Absolutely, because you you set up the whole game, and you may have two of them, and you fell on both of them, which you're hoping you're going to get 50% at least, and it could be the difference in a game. And and that that was really one of his big problems. Um, Notice that Andy has been – is really one of the great coaches in this in this league history, um, and he does a great job with the quarterbacks in his system. And and Alex was as good as I've ever seen him in how he executed their offense. Um, when I look at him in Washington right now, um, you see I see him every week getting better. He's not clearly the Alex Smith he once was. You can tell there's a lot of hesitation in his game. He's not. He's he's still knocking the rust off. Misses some throws. Um, but he doesn't make too many bad decisions in, in the process. But he doesn't play on a high efficiency right now. But that doesn't mean he's not going to play better this week than he played last week. Because it's, he, you know, I would expect him to because he's getting better. Um, he's getting more and more reps and more and more comfortable. And they do some things up front to help him. But um, he's he missed a lot of throws. And because I've watched Alex Smith from day one when he came out of Utah uh, University of Utah. And he's not playing at the level he's capable of playing. He's probably about, based on how I've looked at him, seventy percent. But he gets better a little, a little better every week, and and seventy percent is not bad right now, based on what they had there yeah. um, from a quarterback position. Merrill Washington, or, yeah, Washington is nineteenth uh, in rushing, but sixteen rushing touchdowns is a lot. Uh, yeah. What are you seeing out of that running game? Kind of a three-headed monster there. Well, I would tell you this. It would scare me. They do a lot of dangerous things. And you'll see, when you say 16th, Mike, and I didn't do this work, but here's what you need to do at this point in the season to tell what and how good a team is or how bad a team is. You know, once you've played 10 weeks, you get a certain ranking, right? So you just said they're 19th, right? Well, that's why teams look at your last four games. And if you look at their last four games and took that number and then put it up in the rankings, I, I would just guess they're not 19. I guess they would be higher based on how they've played the last month. You know, we play, you know, for a certain way, a certain 10 weeks or or nine weeks, and you get pigeonholed at 19, but then you start to get better. It doesn't really get reflected based on, because you didn't play very well, you know, for for so long. And then you, you, somebody looks at it and says, oh, they're 19th. When in reality, they may be in the top five, how they run the ball. And I, I say that because when I watched them getting ready for this game, I was just, I was like really, I was really in awe of how they run the football, um, how complete they are, how versatile they are. They do some really interesting things. I'm going to tell you this: they, uh, they run. They the one touchdown run actually they had against Dallas. It was kind of a uh, a funky way to block things. It was actually a lead play, like a zone run play where you run downhill, you hug the double team as a runner, so your guard and centers, you both your guards and centers are coming off, but their tackles pass blocked. They, you know, they influenced and they, they drove. I was like, that's what created this gaping hole. I mean, so they, they kind of did their tackles pass block and their core run block. And I, I mean, it was, I mean, I never, maybe I've seen it before. I just don't remember it. But it was an interesting way to block things. So they do some things blocking-wise and scheme-wise that become a problem. And their runners, I, I just think, are, are, are great pros. I mean, the rookie, he's, he's a heck of a bag of great feet. He's vertically dynamic and laterally dynamic, powerful, strong, and they get going north-south. They're decisive, and that is such a critical thing in the NFL, being decisive and going. 
um, being patient and, and they have all that. So this is a, uh, you know, it's a big challenge, you know, for the Steelers up front, um, uh, you know, it's equivalent to, you know, playing the Ravens and, Tennessee as far as how they run the football and how how good they are right now versus how they've been all year. Steelers are going to have another big challenge on the other line of scrimmage against this Washington D-line that's just Mm -hmm. littered with first-round picks. How familiar are you with that group, and have you watched a fair amount of them? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. um, I've watched – actually, I watched this – it's interesting. I watched them in the very first week against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I thought – I saw that game too. The trench play as a group was like the worst in all of football. I was like, holy cow, it was atrocious. <laughs> now, that being said, that is not the case, you know, especially on their on their front four. Their, their box players are really stout. So, you know, when you have a, a great front seven, you know, listen, I mean, you walk into your meeting room and say, listen, guys, we got our hands full. we got to get these blocked. Here's how we're going to go about it. Yes. However, as a co- as a coordinator, you got to help your guys, you know, and there's a ways that I have seen this happen time and time again, specifically, I don't have those details, but you can play call them. Now, what I mean by that is if they're really good in the box, let's not bang our heads against the box all day. Let's make them play out of their comfort zone. Let's make them play laterally early in the game. You know, let's make them chase, you know, you can do a lot of things that not just in the running game, but the passing game and you can get them out of their comfort zone, you know, and then you can attack them later. But um, so I think, you know, when I watch this game, I just think that would be a critical, uh, especially early on, an early watch of this game is how do they go about play calling? How do they go about executing their offense to kind of neutralize what the strength is of that Washington front seven? Because they're awesome. If you're just going to allow them to say, we're coming down at you. If you do that, it's going to be an arduous day. However, if you get them out of their comfort zone and make them play laterally and get them uncomfortable, um, then you got thinking I can attack them later in the game. Um, but they're probably most people probably know about them because their record's not very good. That division is atrocious, but this front seven is as good as any in football. You know, it's funny, Merrill. I, I grew up watching the Steelers and they played a four, three and yeah. for <laughs> the entirety of the time I've covered the Steelers, they've run the three, four and I've kind of got used to seeing that. But boy, when you, when you have five first round picks, and you play a four-man front, you know, they're bringing Ryan Kerrigan off the bench basically to pass rush. Uh, he's still pretty good. Uh, there's something to be said. San Francisco rode that a long way last year, a dominating defensive line. We've seen it out of Philadelphia and some other teams. There is something to be said for having four guys up front that just knock the crap out of everybody. Well, you know, Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that. And actually, they don't, they don't just do that. They play five-down linemen. You watch this in this game, they'll put five guys out there. They'll put those five guys out there, and they'll make everybody play on the on your offensive line. Everybody's going to have to play. That means your center, your guards, and your tackles. Nobody's going to have any help. You know, unless you keep your back in and help somebody. Um, and they've done that with with a lot of it with a lot of success. So they utilize those guys all together. Um, now they don't live on it, but they do it. I don't think I've seen a lot of that. I remember the, the Houston Oilers used to do that to us when Buddy Ryan was there and that nut job was there. And um, they do some bizarre <laughs> things with their yeah. Don't even get me started, that guy. Um, but you know they would take five defensive linemen because they had their defensive line was so strong. Um, it could kind of remind me of some things that they do with their defensive line. They come out and challenge you with those five guys. Um, so they use them all at times, and it's usually in passing downs, but they'll put them all out on the field at times. 
I saw a fair amount of that last week, more than usual with them. Like you mentioned, it's a, a popular move. It gets your best players on the field. If the Steelers don't have Pouncey, would you expect to see even more of it? Yep. Yeah, I would think. Why wouldn't you? Right. You're going you're gonna to challenge Why wouldn't you? You're, you're crazy not to. <laughs> just, that's the way it is, you know. And um, uh, If you don't, then uh, you you got to scratch your head going, really? You know, I, not, from my perspective, I would just be shocked. To not see that, you might see it the very first time they get a passing situation if Pouncey's not there. Merrill, what what was your uh, most significant takeaway from that Steelers Ravens game? Well, really, that they won. You know, I mean, since I was because um, I, I, losing Bud, Bud Dupree, I, I just you know people kind of played that down. You know, what little I have heard, and I was like, God, that's a big blow. That is just a just a Enormous. I don't think people could appreciate how much Bud Dupree has developed and what he does um, and how he impacts the game. And um, that to me was devastating. Um, and then when you look at just the drops, the inconsistency of the focus, you know, there was, there was really two things going on with everybody who was dropping them. When you think of the art of tack of, of catching a ball is you don't want to fight the football, but you want to greet it at its, at its, the, when your arms are extended, the furthest you can extend and catch, greet the ball, the furthest from your body, the better. Because it gives you more time with your eyes and hands to gather it and catch it. And that was lacking. You know, people trying to um, turn their head upfield before they've caught it. Their hands are halfway in a, in a crab position. And it just, you know, they got to clean. Those things can be worked on and changed. But everybody was doing it. It wasn't just one guy. It seemed like, you know, everybody was falling into those bad habits, you know, bad hand, bad extension, bad hands, bad eyes, um, bad finish, bad complete before we go to advance the ball. So they are easily correctable. Um, you get away with that and you still win is actually incredible in the NFL, even though you are playing, you know, half the practice squad. Um, but you can't do that against these teams, this team. As bad as they play, as bad as the record is, do not play like that. Because you get you get beat by fourteen points with this team where they're playing right now. You mentioned the loss of Bud, and and obviously now it falls on Highsmith. But could you see them doing some unconventional things? You know, maybe a four man front with Watt to it, Alu and Cam, and Cam lines up over the the tackle, or yeah. Vince Williams walking down and playing a right outside linebacker type role, maybe. Well, I think you have to be somewhat creative. Highsmith, yeah. I tell you this, I, uh, I've met, I've, I don't think we've ever talked about him in any show. And I, I'll be honest with you, every week that I've watched him, I'm like, man, that kid can play. I mean, he is, now he's not developed into, he's not Bud Dupree. You're not going to just say, oh, he will make, uh, make it so that we do not miss Bud Dupree. Not saying that. But it's not like a drastic drop-off. I mean, the kid has played, I remember watching him in college, and I think he played better, in, which, you, which you hope for. Um, better than I even saw him in college. And I was impressed with him in college. I've been impressed with how he has played the run and the pass. Um, you can't sleep on him, you know, and I think he'll show that. But I think being creative and getting your best guys on the field, especially in downs that matter, you know, like that third down deal. Um, yeah, I think you'll see some creativity. I don't think there's any question that, that you'll see that at times. Because we've already seen it without, you know, with Bud Dupree. So, mm-hmm. Uh, why would you stop it now? Um, in fact, you know, could you do a little more of it just to help your defense and put the best guys out there that have the most experience and can do the most things for you, especially when it comes to third down? 
Merrill, appreciate it as always. Uh, enjoy. What? How long is the hunting trip going to last? Well, I'm out here Sunday, baby. But um, we got another good, well, 48 hours, we'll say. <laughs> well, hopefully yeah, you're able uh, to knock man. down some of those uh, horse-sized deer in Louisiana and uh, <laughs> make the most of it. We're sure going to drive, my boys. It's always good talking <laughs> to you, man. Go Steelers, boys. Mel Hodge uh, right here on the preview show. Uh, God, he's never uh, – Matty never fails to uh, bring the energy and the enthusiasm and the insight, whether he's talking about hunting or that five-man Washington front. Yeah, I, I've never been around Bubby, but I would pay a lot of money to be a fly on the wall for those two right now. Uh, get your money early in my on. career, I was covering this – I was covering the Steelers early in my career, and those guys were roommates at, at St. Vincent, and I did a story about that for Steelers Digest, and it was uh, it was one for the ages. But, uh, <laughs> nice. We'll tell that we'll, we'll tell that story another time. We've still got uh, some stuff to get to before we get out of here tonight on this special Friday night edition of Steelers Preview. When we come back, we'll uh, do the Zoom thing with Ron Rivera the head coach of the Washington football team. He had some interesting observations uh, this week, and uh, we'll bring those to you next with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight on uh, a rare Friday edition of Steelers Preview. It's a rare Friday edition because – we have an even more rare Monday at five game coming up against the Washington football team. We just heard from Merrill Hodge and Matt. Uh, I found it really interesting when Merrill brought up that five man defensive yeah. line concept that uh, we've seen some from Washington. Uh, I, I didn't see a ton of it in the Dallas game, but uh, as Merrill pointed out on passing downs uh, from left to right, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Tim Settle, Deron Payne and Ryan Kerrigan. Settle must feel like a walk-on hanging around with those guys because he was only a fifth-round pick. <laughs> Mont- Montez Sweat uh, is another first-rounder that they have to uh, throw into the mix. And uh, it was interesting this week, Mike Tomlin was talking about that D-line, and he referenced the Alabama guys, Allen and Payne. He just called, they got a couple Alabama guys in there, you know, so they must be very good, right? Because they're <laughs> oh, Alabama yeah. guys. Well, well, who's the uh, replacement for Marquise Pouncey? But the Steelers are an Alabama guy, J.C. Hassenauer. Yeah, and earlier in the show, I interrupted you and didn't get my question to you. Uh, do you think Pouncey's got a shot in this one? I mean, I know Bud's a huge loss, and in this one, I really think Pouncey being in or out has a massive you know, effect here. You know, I – Who knows with this COVID the, stuff. The, the, the approach I'm kind of taking with COVID is when they're on the list, they're on the list, and when they're not, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Tomlin was asked about that on, uh, whenever he did his press conference, I think it was Thursday. I've, my days of the week are totally oh, I'm all confused right now, right. but he said, when Marquise returns to us, he will return to us. That um, would be a good one to have him back I, for. I did. This would be a huge one to have him back for. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it's, you know, this season in particular, Hey, some guys might not be available for the Washington football team by Monday at five o'clock. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you play with what you got. Real quick, I mean, even when they have their four-man front, it's usually pain that is the the one technique. I know you like the the technique stuff when we do that. Over I do, the, yeah. Over the center, and he's he's a heck of a player. I mean, he would be he kind of in that Cam Hayward power mold. I really like pain a lot. He's an Alabama. I've heard that about you. Of course. Keep your personal. Ryan Kerrigan, 
Ryan Kerrigan, a Purdue guy. Mm, yeah. If he's your third outside guy, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's not so bad. Um, let's get to the uh, aforementioned uh, Ron Rivera Zoom session with the Pittsburgh media this week because uh, he had some interesting observations, including uh, something that I never had considered when he was asked uh, why it is that uh, rookies have done so well this year. You know, the Steelers are getting great mileage out of their rookie class, and the Redskins are getting great uh, play out of Chase Young and Antonio Gibson, uh, among others. Here's what uh, Ron Rivera had to say about, among other things, uh, rookies showing up. Yeah, but you'd almost say everybody started with the same situation. I mean, so I don't know if you could say it's that much of a that, that big of a deal because, you know, because the, the – First year and second year players from last season, they didn't have an off season as well, so they didn't get a chance to to to, to have a step on on these guys coming into training camps. So I think that's one of the things that we're seeing uh, is that because of that, the young guys, you know, that are coming out of um, out of you know the previous season just haven't had that extra development that's been so important for them in the last in, in the past few years. Ron, kind of a philosophical question for you. The, the strength of your defense looks to be the front and the pressure that it generates. Uh, has it always been your belief that that's what matters most on a defense? And if so, why? Yeah, because I think everything starts up front. I think at the end of the day, you know, those are the guys that can, can control the run game. Those are the guys that control the passing game. You know, by getting into the creases, by taking care of the front, you know, they don't allow the run. By getting pressure on the quarterback, by force immediately forcing the quarterback to make bad decisions, there's an opportunity for the guys in the back half to make plays. Do you, as you talk about these younger players that have had to grow and develop and all that, do you see a difference in them playing with Alex? Is there a different confidence or a different calm? I would say both. They see a little bit more calm, um, but you do see the confidence. I mean, in terms of you know guys knowing that. Hey, if, if I'm where I'm supposed to be, you know, there's a good chance the ball's coming to me. There's a confidence in that. Whereas with Dwayne, who was just learning as well, there may there may not be that same confidence. And not the same thing that, you know, Dwayne's back quarterback. I'm just saying that Dwayne's a young guy that has a lot to learn. Mark Caboli. Hey, Ron. Um, my question about Roethlisberger, you um... – Played him a couple years ago. Well, you played him a number of times over your career, but two years ago, uh, when you played him, he was a much different quarterback than he is this year. When it, you know, stylistically of what he likes to do. Um, have you? Uh, would you agree with that? Number one and number two is what is tougher to defend: the the Roethlisberger that throws the ball down the field, or the shorter stuff? All I know is they're undefeated right now, <laughs> so that's pretty tough if you ask me. Um, gosh. Um, I know this. He doesn't look like he's been hit as much. Uh, so I think this guy's probably tougher to fed because he's, you know, when he's, when he was holding the ball, at least you knew where he was and, and you had a chance to get to him. With him getting the ball out of his hands now, um, I mean, he's pretty effective. And, and he's, he's still got a great arm. He's still got a good head on his shoulder. And, and, and you're seeing with the way they're playing as a team, he doesn't need to do all that. I mean, all he needs to do is, is, is take what you're given. Looks like that, that's what he's doing. He's, he's taking a good look at you. He's making his decision based on what he's seen. And uh, it's been very effective so far. Ron, did, did you guys consider Gibson a receiver at all 
when he was coming out, and what what sold you on the, the running back role? We looked at him in in both situations, and when you go back and you look at the things that he did in college, they played him all over, which is kind of what we envisioned for him was having him play a little bit of wide receiver, having him play in the slot, having him play as a wing, having him come across in motion in the formation, having him line up in the backfield. I mean, that's that was our initial intent. But the more and more we watched him, the more and more we saw him gravitate to the running back position, the more excited we got about his potential. Um, and we also had a couple other guys that were really developing as wide receivers that we felt really comfortable about. And we thought, wow, you know, this has really turned out to be a little bit more than what we're anticipating. And we're starting to see it. We're seeing the growth and not just the growth in him, but the growth in the other guys. So, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about the potential for this football team going forward. Michael, I've got one more, if that's okay. Yeah, Coach Romero, when you look at uh, the Steelers front and now Bud Dupree is out, do you feel like you have more flexibility to double TJ Watt or give him more attention knowing that Bud Dupree isn't on the other side? No, because when you look at who they are, you know, you, you, you can't just focus in on one side or the other because if you start worrying about just that one spot, there's an opportunity for them to bring somebody up the gut. I mean, they've got some really good football players. You've got to approach what they do and how they do it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll call our protections accordingly, um, you know, based on situation, circumstances, and, and personnel on the call. So, you know, yeah, we may double them a little bit, more than we would if, 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 if Dupree was healthy. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not going to sell our entire game plan to, to just trying to solve one, one, one issue and then have another one beat us. We're going to have to really look at how things are playing out and, and then decide what we're going to do. When you're, just as a great defensive mind, when you watch this defense on film, what jumps at you? What, I mean, if you were playing, why would you want to play in this Steelers defense? Well, I think the biggest thing is really you, you watch how they attack people. And it's also, you know, that, that they've attacked them. Um, you know, they've, they've played with a lead, which is credit to themselves because part of the creating that lead is taking the ball away and allowing, you know, a minimum two and a half times a game and giving the ball to your offense and scoring position and your offense putting points on the board. Now you pin your ears back and go. I mean, that, 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 that's what makes it fun and exciting. You know, I can remember calling defenses, you know, for the for the 2006 Bears and, and, and then watching us in 2015. And now you're watching these guys watch them on tape, you know, yesterday and the day before and the day before that. And you saw this, you know, you saw this energy. And a big part of it is because, you know, they're creating their own situations. You know, they're creating positive plays where, again, they're putting points on the board or they're putting their offense in scoring position and, and they're getting points up there and they're being able to attack people. Good stuff there from Ron Rivera uh, as we get ready for the Steelers and the Washington football team on Monday at 5. Matt, uh, I heard uh, Mike Tomlin say this week that uh, he doesn't think T.J. Watt's production will be affected by Bud Dupree's absence. T.J. doesn't need any help. You heard Ron Rivera there a second ago say, well, we might double him a little bit more. I mean, if they let T.J. Watt beat them, shame on them. Yeah, I didn't believe a word of that. I mean, like, <laughs> Morgan Moses is a pretty good right tackle, but he's a mauler. He's a prototypical right tackle that, you know, had to fill in on the left side for a little bit. But he's not real light on his feet. You know, he's dependable. He's tough. But, man, the the, the movement skills of Watt are going to give him a lot of problems. 
They have to double him. It's just every team the Steelers face from now on. He got doubled before. And as we talked about earlier, that trickle-down theory is going to be interesting to see if they can hold up, uh, you know, not just uh, ha- not having Dupree for most downs, but to having to take Watt out of the game at times. Uh, got about a minute left, Matt. Uh, have I have I talked you into being nervous about this game, or you still think Steelers get this figured out, blocked up, and uh, go to 12-0? and 0? I do, but I think it's certainly a place they could get tripped up. I think it's a dangerous opponent. Uh, that defensive line scares the heck out of me. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thanks uh, to Merrill Hodge, as always, for uh, joining us and uh, bringing uh, the energy and the enthusiasm that he does to the program. Uh, we're going to be back on our Thursday time slot next week because we'll be getting ready at that point for the Steelers at the Buffalo Bills on uh, a week from Sunday night. So hopefully the schedule will settle in and uh, we'll uh, kick, kick it down the stretch drive here. For uh, Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.